Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. My name is Rabbi Barry Chesler, and today's Daf is Masachet Chagiga Kafbet, Tractate Chagiga 22. We ended yesterday's Daf with a quotation from Mishnah Mikvaot, which actually concluded on top of today's Daf. So we continue with the Talmud. Yesterday, Rabbi took a different position from Rabbi Ela regarding the two apparent cases of Chatzitzah interposition mentioned in the Mishnah at the beginning of the chapter. One part of the Mishnah discussed the permissibility of immersing one vessel inside another, and another part discussed a garment with knots. Rabbi Ela believed both parts concerned the issue of Chatzitzah interposition, the need to make sure that the waters of the mikvah can completely surround the object being immersed. Rava maintains that the issue of Chatzisah only pertains to the garment, but that the issue of the vessels one inside the other has to do with waters being combined to create a valid mikvah. We begin with the statement that Rava's position is similar to Rav Nachman's in the name of Rabba Baravuha, who said there are 11 stringencies here in the Mishnah, chapter 3 of Chagigah. The first six concerned both Kodesh and Chulin, prepared according to the standards of Kodesh, and the last five only pertain to Kodesh, but not to Chulun so prepared. The Talmud asks, What is the difference between Rabbi Ela and Rava? There is a special case of a basket or net, which one filled with vessels and immersed. For the one who holds that the issue is Chatzitzah, then one would not be able to immerse vessels in these baskets or nets. For the one who holds it is Gezerah, a rabbinic decree lest one immerse needles and hooks, and a vessel whose mouth is not as wide as the opening of a leather bag, well, there is no net or basket which does not meet this requirement. But this interpretation of Rabbah does not seem to square with another teaching of his. A basket and a net may be filled with utensils and immersed, and the vessels become pure, but a mikvah whose requisite volume is set off by a net or bas- basket, one who immerses in such a mikvah does not become pure. In this case, the basket or net creates a partition which prevents the mixing of the waters to constitute the requisite volume of a mikvah. This is reasoned by analogy with the earth, which is considered porous, allowing water to surface which cannot be combined with a nearby body of water from which the water emerges. For we require mikvah to be 40 seyot of water gathered in one place. But these words are when the larger vessel is pure. But if it is impure, it follows that its immersion would also purify whatever is in it. As we learn in the Mishnah, vessels which one fills with other vessels and immerses, these become pure. But if he did not immerse, then the waters that are mixed are not considered valid unless the mouth is kishafaferet node, the size of a tube of a leather pouch. The Gemara itself asks what this means and says that you must understand it to say that if the vessel did not require immersion because it was already pure, the waters are not considered mixed until the opening has a requisite width. In this way, the Talmud suggests that the position of Rava is based on the validity of waters that are mixed to make up the requisite 40 seyot. 
They are separated by a tube that is too narrow or by a net or basket. These do not allow the waters to be mixed from a halachic standpoint, and therefore whatever is in such a vessel is not considered immersed. The next sugya notes that the dispute between Rav and Rabbi Elah is actually a Tanaitic dispute between the sages and Abba Sha'ul. There is a Baraita which maintains that a basket and a net that one filled with vessels and immersed, whether Kodesh or Truma, are pure, but Abba Sha'ul says it is only pure for Truma, but not for Kodesh. But why draw such a distinction? Rabbi Steinzot explains the question is based on the fact that Abba Sha'ul does not distinguish between the basket and other vessels. If his reason has to do with Chatzisa, then, one should make the same argument for Truma as for Kodesh. That is to say, both vessels should be considered Tameh. The Talmud now constructs a dialogue. For whom would we say this, that we do not allow vessels to be immersed in other vessels even for Truma? We must say this for Chaverim, those who are both knowledgeable and punctilious about observing the stringencies of rabbinic purity law. But they already know the law, so we do not need a special teaching for them. We tell them they may not immerse vessels within vessels. But if that is the case, we should not need a teaching for Kodesh either, since the Chavirim would know this law as well. But Anam Haaretz might seem immerse and think it were permissible for Kodesh as well. But this case might happen with Truma also. But, the Talmud responds, we would not accept Truma from Anam Haaretz. But then why would we accept Kodesh? lest it create enmity. But doesn't Truma also create enmity? No, for when the Chaver does not accept Truma from the Amharitz, the Amharitz can go to an Amharitz priest, he knows who will accept it. There is a saying in rabbinic literature that one does not promulgate a law that at least half the community will not observe. What we see here is a concern for all sectors of the community. Perhaps in an ideal world, everyone would care about our issues to a similar extent that we do. But we have to live with all members of the community, and we have to decide what is truly important to us and what we can tolerate. So in this case, the Amharits cannot be given rules he will not follow, because ultimately that will affect negatively those who wish to follow the rules more rigorously. To return to our text, the Talmud now asks who is the Tana who is concerned with enmity and identifies him as Rabbi Yassi. There is a bright in which Rabbi Yossi says, Why is everyone believed on the purity status of wine and oil all the days of the year? So that each individual not go and build an altar for himself and burn his own red heifer for himself. Rav Papa asks, In accordance with whom do we nowadays accept the testimony of Anama Arts? In accordance with Rabbi Yossi. The next Sugya asks, whether, Should we not be concerned with a Chaver borrowing from Anama Arts? For we learn in the Mishnah, a clay vessel protects from impurity everything, according to Beit Hillel. Beit Shammai says, however, it only protects food, beverages, and other clay vessels. Beit Hillel said to them, on account of what? Beit Shammai said, because these vessels of Anam Haaretz are considered impure, and they cannot therefore protect other objects from contracting impurity. Beit Hillel replied, so you declare pure the food and drink which are in these vessels? Beit Shammai responded, when we declare the food and drink in these vessels, we did so for the Amharats. Shall we now declare pure the vessels for both you and him? The food and beverages, in any case, will be consumed by the Amharats alone, so they may be considered pure on his account. But the vessels might be borrowed by a Chaver, and so the standard must be higher. We now have a fascinating Baraita. Rabbi Joshua said, I am ashamed of your words, Beit Shammai, 
Is it possible that a woman needs in her trough and the woman in the trough are subject to a seven-day impurity, but the dough is pure? A bottle is filled with a liquid. The bottles are impure for seven days, but the beverages are pure? A student from Beit Shammai approached him and said, I can explain the reasoning of Beit Shammai. Rabbi Joshua said, explain. The student said, does an impure vessel protect other things from contracting impurity or not? It does not. Is the vessel of an Amharitz considered pure or impure? It is impure. But if you say to him it is impure, would he pay attention to you? Moreover, if you say it is impure, he will tell you that his is pure and yours is not. This is the reason of Beishamai. Immediately, Rabbi Joshua went and spread himself out on the graves of Beishamai and said, I have sinned before you, bones of Beishamai. The things that are not so clear are thus explained so logically how much the more so the ones that are clear. They said that for the rest of his days his teeth blackened from his fasting and atonement. In any case, the Talmud continues, the implication of Beit Shammai's statement to Beit Hillel that the purity of the Yom Ha'aretz's vessel pertains to both you and him means that the Chaver may borrow vessels from the Yom Ha'aretz. When that happens, though, the Chaver immerses them because the Yom Ha'aretz is not trusted. If that is the case, then... Beit Hillel should respond to Beit Shammai, that when we borrow vessels, we immerse them. The answer is that corpse impurity requires sprinkling on both the third and the seventh day, and one does not normally borrow vessels for seven days. Now, the Talmud asks, is Yamaharis in fact not trustworthy with regard to the immersion of vessels? Do we not have a baraita which says that the Yamaharis has relied upon for immersion with respect to corpse contamination? Amar Abaye Lakasha. Abai says this is no difficulty, for the one teaching concerns himself and the other one concerns the vessels. Rabbah maintains that both teachings refer to vessels. The Lokasha, it is no difficulty. In the one case, Yamhar says, I never immersed a vessel within a vessel. And in the other case, where he's not believed, he says, I did immerse, but I never immersed in a vessel whose mouth was less than the dimensions of Shifoferita node. For was, was it not taught in the Brita? And Amharitz is trusted to say, these fruits have not become susceptible to impurity by contact with the liquid, but is not trusted to say, they have become susceptible, but did not become impure. Is the Amharitz actually trusted with regard to the purity of his body? Do we not learn in the Brita that a Chaver who comes to sprinkle, sprinkles immediately, but an Amharitz who comes to be sprinkled upon, we do not sprinkle upon him, until he has been with us for three and seven days, meaning we did not trust him. But rather, Abai said, out of the strictness that we placed upon him in the beginning, regarding the number of days which have passed in order to be sprinkled upon, we can be lenient with him at the end, regarding whether he immersed or not. We now move to the next part of the Mishnah from the beginning of the chapter, regarding the outside and the inside of a vessel. What does the Mishnah mean when it says outside and inside? As we learn in a Mishnah, a vessel which becomes impure on the outside from a liquid, its outside is impure, but its inside, its rim, its ear, and its sandals are pure. But if the inside becomes impure, then the whole vessel becomes impure. Regarding the Beidat Svita, the Talmud asks, what is it? Rabbi Yehuda says in the name of Shemuel, it is a place by which you grab it. As it states in Ruth, by its bowed lakali, he handed her parched grain. Rabbi Yassi says in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, a place in which delicate individuals dip. That is, a kind of impression in the vessel which can be its own vessel. 
Rabbi Bibi taught a bright in the presence of Rabbi Nachman. No vessels have a distinction between the outside and inside, whether for the holy things of the temple, that is Kodesh, or the holy things of the borders. Rabbi Nachman said to him, What are the holy things of the border? Is it Truma? Do we not have in the Mishnah that the outside, the inside, and the handles of Truma are separate with regard to Truma? Perhaps Rechulim, which is prepared according to the standard of Kodesh you were talking about. You have reminded me of a word of Rabbi Barabuha that there are eleven stringencies taught here. The first six concern both Kodesh and Chulin prepared according to the standards of Kodesh, and the last only pertain to Kodesh, but not to Chulin prepared according to the standard of holiness. One who carries Midras may carry Truma, but not Kodesh. What is the re reason regarding Kodesh? Is it because of an event which happened? For Rabbi Yehuda said in the name of Shmuel, there was an event with one who was carrying a barrel of wine that was Kodesh from place to place. And we will finish tomorrow. Until then. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Chorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.